Hello, hello, and welcome to Growing with Kendall. My name is Kendall Motes, and I'm so happy you chose to listen to this podcast. Today, I'm at Texter Mountain Pines in Robazonia, PA. I recently just got done making a wreath, and let me tell you guys, it was so much fun and a super cool experience to have. I will be posting pictures of it when this podcast is posted on Instagram, so keep your eye out for them. I'm talking to Carolyn Schoner, who helped me make the wreath, and she planted her first tree here in 1978, and she's going to tell us more about what she does here. So, Carolyn, can you tell us what a day at the farm looks like? The season, we open Black Friday, and we're open every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 9 to 5 between Thanksgiving and Christmas. During the rest of the year, we are busy mowing, spraying, and doing a lot of weed control and a lot of bug control if necessary. The season, usually as far as making wreaths and actually getting the lot ready begins around um, the middle of October and then goes until the middle of January. After Christmas, there's a lot of stump removal that has to be done, which people probably don't realize, and a lot of cleaning up of branches and other things that were just left lay when we were so busy. We make a lot of wreaths. Um, like it doesn't matter exactly how careful you are with your um, spraying and your um, weed control and everything else. You're still going to get Charlie Browns that are second grade. So those are what you make your wreaths out of. We have a lot of concolor furs. We have a lot of Fraser furs. We have a lot of Douglas furs. Fraser furs are the most expensive. They are the ones that are bright green on top, gray underneath, and people do like those a lot because they're easy to put ornaments on. They are a little bit more pricey because they grow slower. The Douglas fir is also very popular. They grow a little bit faster and are also easy to decorate. The concolor fir are quite popular as well. They have the longer needles but are much softer. You can't put those heavy ornaments on it that some people have as family keepsakes. The um, most popular, I would say probably all around for decorating uh, of people putting greens into pots and things like that is uh, Douglas fir and maybe a second of Fraser fir. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us how, what all getting the lot ready involves for when you're preparing for people to come and start getting trees? Okay, we have a big groundhog problem. We have to get rid of the groundhogs first and then fill up their holes with earth that they dug out so speedily. And um, <laughs> the uh, paths have to be cleared that people can walk without falling over weeds. We have to see to it that the uh, stone driveways are safe for the tractors to go up and down and that everything is safe for people to walk. Um, a lot of it is just um, like common sense preparation. Like we usually make spots for people to take family photos in the trees. This year, of course, we weren't really encouraged to do that. We were supposed to avoid having a lot of spots for family photos because of congregating um, with a lot of people in one spot. But next year, I hope we'll be back to having photo spots. Yeah. Um, We'd usually hand out hot chocolate and cookies, but of course this year that was a no-no. 
The wagon ride was permissible with a mask on, uh, and so long as you sat one family six foot apart from another family. People were very anxious for trees this year, and I don't blame them because they've been penned up in the house since March. Um, a lot of their favorite activities have been canceled, so they're out putting a tree up. Yeah, and as you told me earlier about the Christmas light sales, can you just tell us what you heard about that? Um, on TV, they were saying that the Christmas light sales are up 45% and resales are up 42%. So that says a lot about what people are doing uh, since they can't go out to eat and do other activities. Yeah, and I think that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, you have more time if you're staying at home to decorate yeah. and do all that right. kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, your most popular tree and how big people get it, what is that? Usually the most popular is a Fraser fir, and a lot of people in this area have like the older style farmhouse where they can accommodate like a nine, 10 foot tree. And those are number one. But most people um, will go with a smaller tree, um, maybe seven foot at the most. Um, and that's probably about it because they have eight foot ceilings and that's about what they can handle. But people do tend to look at a tree in the field. In the field, it looks a lot smaller than in your living room. And that is one mistake that people do make. They get a tree that is too big for their home, Yeah, which is very easy to do. I know we've done that a couple of times, <laughs> and we have to bring the stall and then chop it off, make such a mess. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, what was the tree called that we were looking at earlier when I first got here that smelled like oranges? That was a concolor fir. And can you just tell us more about that tree? Is that very popular or? It is very popular with a certain group of people, but it's not something that a lot of people even know about unless they've seen it advertised or read magazines that it was in or something like that. Yeah. Um, but the fragrance is what uh, people go for. And it is a tree that if you have any type of allergies to evergreens, it seems as though it is the tree that people have the less problem oh, with. Oh, wow. So that is one reason that some people do know about it and really go for it. But you can't put your heavy ornaments on that. Yeah, that tree, guys. It was like a Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown tree, but on steroids. Like it had all of its branches, <laughs> but it was so thin and flimsy, but very pretty tree. Right. I definitely would want a tree like that in my house. Um, in the off season, what are you guys doing to prepare then for your busiest time of year? Okay, if there's a section that is fairly well cleaned out, they will completely clean it out and start from scratch with a soil test, um, decide what type of uh, seedling they want to plant there, and then probably in April, plant seedlings. We usually plant with a transplanter, if at all possible. We rent one and uh, completely redo that patch. It is easiest if you can redo a whole patch, but sometimes it just doesn't work out because you have nice trees left that you don't want to destroy. Yeah. How many trees do you plant a year? Usually around 2,000. And then how long? That's crazy. I'm just going to completely ignore that number, but no, oh my gosh, 2,000 trees is a crazy number. And if I wish you guys could see when we were driving to get here, we had to go down off a little mountain hill I guess you would call it and you could just see the whole tree farm and all the trees and I don't know words just obviously don't do it justice but it was so beautiful the sun was setting to it looked great um how long does it take for a tree then to get to its size so you're planting these 2,000 trees how long is it for it going to be to we get ready? try to buy a two-year seedling that's been raised two years from a seed by another grower and we buy them 
Sometimes we're lucky and we get two and two, which is two years in a seedling bed and two years in a transplant bed. And from that, so it's a four year old when we get it. And that usually will take maybe six, seven years of good growing season until it is suitable for a family to put it in their home. Wow, that's crazy to think about. You just have them sit in there. And then the ones that we were looking at, those were what, four or five years? Uh, the ones up above the shed, those were about five years. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, what, cha what is the most challenging in your off-season or even dirt? What's most challenging in your off-season and then what's most challenging once it's the season? If you notice a bug in the off-season and you notice some type of disease, <clears throat> usually like a fungus going on with your trees, a fungus you have to spray at an exact time and you have to hit it exactly right or you're wasting your time. Mm -hmm. um, that is probably the biggest challenge as far as uh, controlling things in the off season. Uh, during the selling season, probably the biggest challenge is just making sure you have enough help and you can accommodate the people that are coming in the parking lot. Yeah. Um, what is, what do you enjoy the most? I feel like we focused on those negatives. Now let's bring it back up. What do you oh, enjoy the most? Oh, just seeing the people. Yeah. Like there's people that have been coming here for a tree for eons of years. Yeah. And just seeing them. And especially if they had real small children when they first came here and the kids are now in college, that's like, you know, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that is very rewarding. Yes. Definitely makes you feel good about what you're right. doing. Yeah. Um, what? all goes into making a wreath we just got done making a wreath guys i told you i have a i'll post a picture of it it it's a little rough but for my first wreath what do you think i think it looks good i think it looks good yes yeah tell me what goes into making that then um patience <laughs> um you have to be able to have consistency consistency is probably the most important yes. thing that you have your branches um cut and snipped the same size and then when you go to step on the pedal to close the clamp you have everything really <laughs> spread out and uh, you know make sure they're all in the clamp right. learn that one the hard way but <laughs> yeah. it, it's a learning yeah. learning curve to it yeah, for sure yeah. very fun though i yeah. enjoy it yeah. and to make a wreath what branches do we use usually um douglas fir and a lot of people like maybe a little bit of boxwood mixed in, a little bit of arborvita, a little bit of Fraser mixed with the uh, uh, Douglas fir. A mixed wreath is very popular. It costs a little bit more because it takes more time to yeah. make because you're picking off the different piles and cutting off the different piles, but it does make a very nice wreath. And it does take some patience. Uh, as you found out, <laughs> you know, you're like if you would make another one now it would probably look better you know yeah. than your first one yes so it is you know and it is a job that you got to dress warm because you can't have it too warm because the greens will dry out yeah and we're sitting in here i mean we both have our jackets on and our hats right. but it it is a little chilly in here you know trying to keep warm but we don't want to dry out these right. beautiful wreaths exactly. so got to preserve them as much as we can um what holds now for these next couple months that you have to sell these trees we will be finished at christmas um the dove trees probably will be going by then um somebody usually comes at the end and if we have a few left buys them up puts them in their yard 
Um, and then after that, it's digging out stumps, uh, clearing an area to plant in spring, getting rid of all the branches that are laying from here and there that came off of trees or whatever, and just a general cleanup. Yeah. yeah. Just little housekeeping things right. that you need to do. Right. Exactly. And what would you like our listeners to know then about a tree farm and how everything works? Do you have any advice if people are interested in a future career in this? It's a lot of work, but it is rewarding. Yeah, as you can tell, guys, the look on people's faces too. And I love seeing all the little kids here with, that right. were running around. It was just so nice. And you guys know me. I love seeing all the people. Well, thank you, Carolyn, for letting me know about all this and letting me make a wreath. It was a very fun afternoon with you. Thank you guys for listening today. I had such a fun day, and I'm so happy that I got to share it with you. I will see you all in two weeks. Thank you for listening.